A 1% change a day is a 365 change in a year. So know that wherever you are in life, it's not permanent. You're not going to be stuck there forever. Things will get better. Hello and welcome to the Are We There Yet podcast, the COVID-19 experience. My name is Max and my fantastic co-host is Ines. Ines, welcome back to episode seven. We're almost at the finish line. How do we feel? We feel great. Hi, Max. She's ready for it to be over, folks. She's done. I am not. I am so not. She's so not. Neither are we. We're going to miss you guys when we're gone and we're excited to come back for season two. But this episode is one that we've been trying to organize. It seems cursed, but we've managed to find a way to do it. And it's the mental health episode that we want to talk about. This episode is called Mental Health and Mindfulness. And we have a special guest joining us in a little while. We've got Savannah Blake, who owns the Earth and Water Company, all about dealing with meditation and yoga and understanding how you can better improve your mental state. She's got a great story that we're going to delve into a little bit later. Uh, We're going to look at some studies in terms of how... COVID has been affecting people's mental health in Europe and then we will get some tips and tricks and I think there's some very good ones in there but to start off the happiness we've got our good news expert ready and raring to go so what's the good news this week expert so Mm -hmm. we have excellent news actually today Um, The coronavirus vaccine that was uh, started to be developed by the University of Oxford, and I believe that we mentioned this in the first episode, so this is very nice, um, is safe and plus it triggers an immune response. This is not something that we were taking for granted for people who were not following closely how we're doing on vaccines. So it's uh, engineered from a virus that causes the common cold in chimpanzees. I find that a fun fact. I feel sorry for the chimpanzees, though. Um, And apparently it creates antibodies. So the volunteers, um, it was tested in a little over a thousand people. And 90% of them with a single dose developed antibodies. And then 10 people um, took two doses and all of them developed antibodies. So this is great news. Um, it doesn't mean that we can hope to see it happen like any day now. We still need to go on the next phase, which will be text- testing the vaccine in 10,000 people. Um, then we have another test that is kind of a bit questionable because it means that you have to actually infect vaccinated people with the coronavirus to see whether it can actually stave off infection. But we are in a very good place for the moment we are in. And ideally, everyone, please cross your fingers and mass. Um, we could be looking at having a working vaccine early next year. Oh, praise the Lord. I know. Excellent news. Fantastic news. And uh, well done, everyone at Oxford. The UK has ordered like 10 million, I believe. I know. It's a ridiculous no, amount. Really- yeah, it's a lot. It's so more... it's it's fantastic that they have. Um, and it'd be great if the UK can produce this vaccine and, and ship it out to the world to make up for all of the horrible mistakes they've made over the past four months. It'd be fantastic. So... Yeah, 100 million doses. Sorry, I have to say. Mm. Um, actually, the UK has ordered 190 million doses of three different vaccines. I appreciate the preparedness in that. And um, obviously, this is not the first, you know, hopeful vaccine in the world. 
But I also wanted to say, like, fun fact, um, apparently the UK is not the best country to test it because uh, virus levels are low. Mm. Can you believe? Can you and believe? It's going to be tried in the in uh, sorry in the US, South Africa, and Brazil very soon. Yes, with the, the biggest hit areas. So it's all good news, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, we'll have that vaccine for everyone next year, and we'll have that debate in season two, I imagine. And it'll be fantastic. So once again, you know, you've done it. You've made good news happen. <laughs> I created this vaccine. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what she does. She goes above and beyond for this podcast. Bloody love it. Right. Shall we get cracking with the main meat and potatoes of today's episode? Yes, please. Wonderful. So we are speaking with Savannah all about mental health and mindfulness. Please enjoy the ride as we talk about different studies, how to approach things better. And if this is something you are struggling with, many people out there to talk to we're even out there to talk to if you want to talk to some random podcast host we'll listen to whatever you need just <laughs> reach out to us on twitter at awty2020 or you can find us through our email if you want a more discreet conversation of arewedare.2020 at gmail.com but for now let's get cracking with today's episode with mental health and mindfulness And now joining us on today's episode, we've got Savannah joining us. Savannah, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be talking to you about everything that's going on with mental health and COVID. We're going to talk about some studies, but the main focus that we want to take away from this is how people can start to take focus of themselves because as I'm going to read in these reports later, there's a lot of issues going on at the moment with how people are perceiving what's going on how they're dealing with it and unfortunately the results aren't great and you see it a lot in friends and family there is that real decline and struggle but before we get to that it would be lovely to learn a little bit more about you for the listeners sure so my name is savannah i am a confidence coach and yoga and meditation teacher a little background is that I didn't talk for the first quarter of my life, about 23 years, so not quite, but I was so riddled with anxiety of many different flavors uh, and low confidence, low self-esteem, bottom of the barrel self-worth. So I have really been on this journey to heal myself and find my own voice and now come to a place where I'm lucky enough to where I've progressed to be able to help others do the same. Excellent. And yeah, so I was watching your videos around all of that and it, it is fascinating to kind of see how you've progressed and taken your own kind of self-worth and investment and really grown from there. So I'm excited to learn more about that as we kind of go forward. But I want to give some context to the listeners about what we're talking about when we get to mental health. Now, one area I want to focus on is just a general study and then Ines is going to go into a little bit further detail about more separate groups and uh, it'd be great to get thoughts along the way so the one kind of main study that i really interested me when i was looking into this was focused predominantly on uk and europe but this is not just a regional issue this is kind of widespread but it gives a good idea of what's going on so there was an international study done in spain and it's uh, with the open evidence um course that 
is looking at that how 41% of the UK population's mental health is at risk because of the COVID-19 crisis. And it's one in two people in the UK felt down, depressed or hopeless about the future due to the crisis. And 41% is a massive number when, when you think yeah. about it. Close to half the population is insane. So the research between Glasgow, uh, Milan, Spain and Colombia indicated that almost 60% of the UK population required the government not only to focus on containing the virus, but also on preventing a major economic crisis, which is another major aspect of why people are feeling so anxious with this. So the study itself took 10,000 people, 10,551 if you want me to be specific, and 3,500 of those were from the UK, 3,500 from Spain, and then 3,500 from Italy. And the survey surveyed people from 18 to 75 years of age, and they were saying that they felt depressed, hopeless, worried about the future, and it broke down to about 57% in the UK, 67 in Spain, and 59% in Italy. So over half of correspondents were struggling in each country. And obviously those are the three countries that have had the longest lockdown. England, we don't really count because we don't really follow the rules, but Spain and Italy... They count because they did actually have to do stuff, but that's a mad number. Like Ines, if I can start with you, what's what's your feelings on this? I mean, on the one hand, so it's uh, it's horrifying. Um, on the other hand, it's kind of sorry to be like this, but it's kind of to be expected. And I feel like we should have prepared better for it, for this instead of it catching us by, by surprise and going, oh look, people are you know, anxious or depressed because there is a global pandemic. Um, yes, it should have been predicted that there would have been these kind of feelings and like mental states. And I don't feel like we're doing enough for it. Very true. Very true. And Savannah, from, from your aspects, obviously it varies so differently in the states of what's going on, but in, in your kind of immediate area and what you've noticed, how does this kind of relate to from a US standpoint? So I completely understand it was kind of to be expected we it just highlights where we need to focus and where we still lack in society and culture with Mm -hmm. helping mental illness and preventing mental health issues because you know mental health has been such a shushed thing and suppressed thing for centuries even we didn't acknowledge it as something of importance because you know up until recent times in history how you felt about things didn't matter because you were trying to focus on surviving so when we were trying to gather food for the winter and prevent a fever from killing our loved ones and stuff but how we felt about our emotions, our feelings were always thrown to the back of the room in their priority list. So it just goes to show how we're evolving and how we need to focus more on this. We're, we've luckily came to a place where we we have food and shelter for the most part. But for the most part, we're not struggling to uh, store food for the winter. Mm-hmm. We don't really, we have antibiotics now, we have medicine. So things that were a priority uh, have now fallen to the wayside in the sense of we don't have to worry about them as much. Of course, that's not universal. That doesn't include everybody on the planet by any means. But for 
those in developed countries, for the most part, uh, we've come to a place where we can now focus on mental health, which is a great, great thing. It's it, since it's coming to light, that means that we can start to put things in place to see the progress in it. So it's a catch 22. You have to highlight things to in order to work on them. And often highlighting is very discomfortable. Discomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uncomfortable. I guess so. <laughs> but do you think um, that because these issues are being brought into light now with the pandemic, do you think it's going to be for the betterment of our attention to mental health issues or are we just going to go, oh yeah, that was a pandemic thing and you know, go, go back to normal? It's really hard to say because you know, there's totally people who survived the Great Depression, survived the Holocaust. We can look about their mental health state and how they were helped, how they were Uh, how they coped with that moving on with their lives afterwards and kind of compare it to this in a way. Um, We can hope that the people who have the power to make a difference will. And, you know, us doing this podcast is a way of helping progress this area because we're bringing light to it. We're, and that's where it all starts is, making it common knowledge that we have things to work on. So I really, I do believe in the good of people and the progress of society and humanity and culture. You know, I have to, I'm a mom, so I have hope. (laughs) That's lovely. That's actually lovely. Yeah. It's, I think you're right, especially having this conversation more because even five, 10 years ago, especially 15 years ago, it wasn't a conversation that was really being had and or understanding impacts of, of what would happen. Remember when 9-11 happened, the most recent example of a tragedy in, in the world, the conversation was never really around what's the impact for New Yorkers or even people from around the world. It was just, how do we get back to normal? And I think now there's a greater focus on how do we learn from this and how do we grow from this and obviously this is not accepted in all areas of society or all age groups but especially in the younger generation the 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 first three generations there is that kind of understanding and empathy and as that moves forward it's interesting to see how that kind of grows and i was thinking that maybe that's exactly the benefit of this like the famous saying the new normal maybe it's that we are sorry sorry max um Maybe it's the sense that there is going to be a different normal. And so in, as we try to figure out what all of that is going to look like for once, as Savannah says, we're going to, you know, take mental health as something that needs to be work on, worked on as like many other things. I think we're realizing as a society to in order to move forward, we have to look at mental health because moving forward feel is it's a it's an emotion it's a feeling of being able to cope with your reality and life and move forward in the most positive positive way possible and that starts with overcoming the fear the tragedy the all of these emotions that we're all feeling as human beings so that we can move through them instead of being hindered by them and held back by them indefinitely yeah, 100% agree, and it's interesting to see where that kind of evolution can grow from. I, I have another study here that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about and get your thoughts, because this focuses a lot more on the general um, people and, and how they're kind of 
coping and Ines, this will lead nicely into the points that you wanted to cover. So this study comes from the Office for National Statistics. So those guys love statistics over there. So they know what they're talking about. Uh, so they did a study and they were focusing on how people are reacting to it. And it was different age groups, different gender, everything like that. And I'll just kind of run through the main point because it's a, it's a very big study that they conducted and I highly recommend reading it. But the factors most strongly associated with high anxiety during lockdown include loneliness, marital status, sex, that relates to gender, not the good stuff, disability, wherever someone feels safe at home or not, and work being affected by the coronavirus pandemic. So feeling lonely was the factor most strongly associated with reporting high anxiety for this. People who often or always felt lonely were almost five times more likely to report high anxiety than those who never feel lonely. And the percentage who reported high levels of anxiety significantly increased for people who are married or in civil partnership, which I did find really surprising because you'd think that you would have that kind of unity with someone, but it was up to 39% from 19% in the last quarter of 2019. So prior to the pandemic, the percentage reporting high anxiety was lowest for people who are married or in a civil partnership compared with other groups. So it's interesting to have that the effect of being that close quarters with someone because i think it's different being with someone in a marriage or a partnership than it is say a roommate because like a roommate you don't really have to factor in you can kind of close yourself off and walk away from the situation whereas like a marriage or a partnership you, you've got to be up against that the whole time and working together there's no like obviously there is separation but it's it's not the same if that makes and sense. i suppose you're going to have some pressure to feel like you you know you should be having fun in fact you are with you your should be enjoying each other's company yeah yes. exactly and so, in fact you're not no and i think that's where a lot of the stress comes from and, and another thing that i found interesting was in the married and civil partnership group it's um the struggle is obviously balancing homeschooling alongside other commitments with one in four people are homeschooling during the pandemic compared with approximately one in ten who are single separated or divorced so yeah the poor parents out there savannah i'll get your thoughts on this in a second who have to kind of <laughs> um do the homeschooling and deal with that kind of thing but another further down in the report i was reading earlier a lot of anxiety was coming from women because they were find it i can't remember i'll find the exact oh. stat in a minute but they were saying that the responsibility to homeschool had fallen onto them going back into old gender stereotype roles the role of educating had fallen to the women while the men didn't really do much i'll find the exact statistic in a minute i wonder why but while i do please give me your thoughts you two yes so i'm here um <laughs> right so <laughs> uh, i think that it must be rather different to be a guy and i'm talking about like obviously standard standard guy um it must be rather different to be at home and you know maybe working your office hours in the kitchen table and then like playing fifa or doing your thing or overall you know chilling while your wife or partner is at home is doing the exactly same thing is in the same quarantine mm -hmm. as you are still has to work but she also has to cook and clean and clean up after everybody in the house. So that's a pretty much, you know, labor intensive situation because no one is out. Everyone is, you know, at home making things dirty all the, all the time. Um, you have to cook, you have to clean after everybody. Um, you have to take on all the chores that the other person 
is not used to doing, so I don't know if you guys uh, have read this study and I can't even quote it properly, um, but it, ah, oh, I know which one it was. It's from Invisible Women, amazing book. Um, it says that uh, overall, globally, um, men spend something like 40 minutes a week doing chores, and for women, it was more like 12 hours. So you translate <laughs> that to quarantine. I know, I know. You translate that to I'm quarantine. Not doing it right. You see one person. <laughs> you see one person who all all the change in their life is I'm now working from home, and another person who is I'm working from home and I have to take care of the entire household and have no time for myself. So yes, I am literally not surprised, and I blame the patriarchy. Always, always. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savannah, as as a mum, talk me through what's been going on with you. So I've absolutely been living that right there for the past five years. <laughs> I wear 15 hats and I totally cried yesterday over the gender pay gap because I didn't understand it. Right. Um, until recently, I was like, you know, I would think about it and I knew it was a thing, but I never looked into it and I didn't understand it. And then we watched a documentary. It was on Netflix, I think. And it was like a little 30 minute maybe an hour documentary on the gender gap and I cried during the whole show because I finally understood and I was like oh my god this is hitting home for me (laughs) and what it was saying was that when we have children when we pair up and we have children so you have two people who are in the same career a man and a woman and then at the exact same age the exact same time in their career they have a child. Well, now the woman who has to feed the baby, take care of the baby is often left to not advance her career as effectively and as efficiently as the man who can still leave home and go work and climb the corporate ladder essentially. But she's stuck at home for X amount of years because no matter how hard she tries, she still cannot she doesn't have the free time or the support that she needs to keep up with him in the same exact job force so she falls behind and he's able to progress and that's what the gender pay gap is essentially and places like Mm -hmm. sweden are actually closing it by offering uh the fathers let's see what is it maternity leave, paternity leave. Okay. So they're offering paternity leave for all the fathers as well for up to a year so that they can uh, get used to the children and their new life and managing stuff the way it is. Um, Yeah, no, yesterday I, my career is advancing with light warp speed at the moment and it's super overwhelming and it, i mean it's great it's wonderful it's what i've wanted what i've been working for forever but it's also very overwhelming because i do have two small children at home still and i was going to be able to see it because you know for four or five years now my husband's just i've been like i need help because i can't work on my career you know you get to leave the house and go to work I have to work from home and do school from home while managing two children and a household. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, so I need some help, you know, can we find a babysitter a couple of times a week or something? And he kept, he's, he's told me for years, you know, I just wait till they start school, wait till they start school. Then you have tons of free time. Just wait till they start school. And I'm like, well, you know, that's great. But in the meantime, I'm drowning over Mm -hmm. here. And then, so now we're at the point in our life where they're supposed to be starting school and now they're not. So now instead of being able to give them to the school for a few hours a day so that I have the space and the time to work on my career, I am adding another hat to my closet and now I have to homeschool my children, which is wonderful. And I mean, honestly, not a whole lot's going to change for us. This is what I've been doing for a while, but now I'm going to have someone breathing over my neck, you know, the school system he's still registered in the school system he still has to meet certain requirements and everything so whereas before I was teaching him things but when life got super busy maybe we wouldn't study for a week and that would be fine well now we can't do that now we have to prioritize that but uh, meanwhile my husband's still working 12-hour shifts and then has to sleep at some point you know plus the hour commute so yeah no I'm totally feeling this I'm totally well I I have the the statistics here so the burden of homeschooling has fallen disproportionately to women 60 percent 60 percent 60 percent potentially contributing to higher anxiety among women almost a fifth of women 19 percent said they are involved in the provision of homeschooling compared with a very small proportion of 13 mm-hmm. percent of men so 60 percent mm-hmm. men from one man to another pull your finger out now <laughs> absolutely someone do something <laughs> nightmare and i mean like you know nothing against men they're they totally have the capabilities of stepping up and being that uh main person who takes care of all of these things but from my own experiences like i will actively make a point to you know go over some schooling things for 10 30 minutes however long we have per day and my husband absolutely will too if i make a point to remind him very true and you know it's so from your point savannah how have you been kind of coping with that balance because the whole thing i've been saying since lockdown started is like parents have my utmost respect to be able to juggle their normal lives look after themselves but also educate the next generation of children it's just it's mind-boggling to me that you were able to do it or like not i think that's already a success Mm -hmm. absolutely it's mind-boggling to myself as well um (laughs) i practice mindfulness and just staying in the present moment a lot of anxiety is us living in the past present and future all at the same time and our minds are they can't cope with the capacity of that right because we're actually only here right now so everything that we're thinking about in the future or in the past is things that are out of our control things that may not even occur so that can add extra anxiety and overwhelm and when your plate is already as full as it can be you want to really focus on just one thing at a time what's in front of you right now right now right now and that comes i i I teach meditation so i always tell people to pretend smoke okay we're gonna be pretend smokers you know, and I smoked for like six years, so I totally understand that area of life and whatnot too. I haven't in a really long time, so like years and years and years. But anyway, uh, so how a smoker, you know, it doesn't matter 
what's going on in their life. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. They're going to find this time and space to go outside and have their cigarette for, you know, five or 10 minutes. They're going to make that happen. We can do the same thing with just creating space. We can have a pretend cigarette. So for our mental health sake, when you start feeling anxious, overwhelmed, that's when you need to take your pretend smoke cigarette break and go outside for five to 10 minutes. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter. Find the space because if they can find the space for their cigarette, your mental health is just as well, way more important, honestly, to do the same. So go outside, take some deep breaths, Focus on grounding yourself in the moment. Uh, look at the trees, admire their beauty, notice the clouds. How does the air feel in your skin? What do you smell? What do you hear? Just those types of things to really ground yourself in the moment. Tell your to-do list, all the things going on in your head. You're important, but I just need to breathe for a second. So give me five minutes, put a time limit on it so that you know, you know, I have five minutes to sit here and just exist for a second. And as long as I can find the time to sit here and exist for five minutes where nothing needs my attention and it's okay, then I'm doing all right. And just focus on that. And when you start feeling overwhelmed later on in the day, do it again. That's beautiful. I love that idea. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good way to kind of approach things. Also, it might help people stop smoking. Instead of smoking, go out and be mindful. Absolutely. There you go. That's yeah. always good. <laughs> Um, Ines, did, did you have a, an area that you wanted to kind of discuss around this? Um, it's, it's about something that we said before, though. Um, so a lot of these feelings of anxiety, obviously, are maybe because you are too overwhelmed with people, like your family and children that need your attention. Um, but another big part of the population is feeling un anxious because they don't have enough people. So people who are prone to feeling lonely in general, um, they are not having an easier time in this lockdown because many of us, so I, I would not, actually all of us, we are resorting to virtual contact um, in order to get our sort of social fix that you and I were talking about in the introverts and extroverts episode. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, virtual contact is not giving us as much as we need. I think it's like a hormonal thing. It's just not doing it. I actually read yeah, an article the, the other same. day. It's not the same. I read an article that said Zoom drinks suck and someone had to say it to be honest it was right there um so yeah and then we need to examine like what actual what 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 is the valuable contact that is of use to us and what is just a series of you know kind of forced interactions so i think that's super interesting as well because you can be on you know zoom and skype and you know google hangouts whoever does that um all day but you can still feel very lonely and very isolated and so i think we should have a thought about how that impacts mental health because as a tool it's not working so we need to find a way to make it work yeah, yeah. i've started uh teaching yoga at my local studio for my own accountability sake and it also helps me to check out of my life of wearing, you know, 8,000 hats as being a mom and a business owner and all of that, and just focus on myself for a little while. But it's also in a group setting. And since 
I know that's very controversial. A lot of people avoid those things. Um, when we get in the yoga studio, I've never had more than three students show up so we can space out really well. And, you know, if you feel comfortable, if you want to wear your mask into the room and then, I mean, you're free to wear it during yoga. If you want, it might be a little uncomfortable because we do a lot of breathing exercises and whatnot, but once you get on your mat, that's your little space and it's still your little isolation kind of, so that's, what's helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. But that sounds like the perfect yoga class, to be honest. You know, those other classes that you go in, and there's like 45 people in there. <laughs> it's impossible to chill. Right. It. Well, I live out in the middle of nowhere, so I do have that advantage. That sounds lovely. I'm very jealous. I was going to say, and that's the problem with central London, is everyone wants to relax, but they want to relax together. It's such a problem. <laughs> it's I used to do yoga for a year, well, years, like some years. And honestly, crowded classes were just not the same. I used to avoid them. Like, mm. you know, Thursday nights, no, there is no way I'm going to be there shoulder to shoulder with four people because yeah. it didn't help me like achieve the state I wanted to achieve. No, but I think you're right. Sorry, going back to your previous point about the um, virtual contact with people. It's, it is lovely but it, it's not the same. As you mentioned, it, it has that very, it's great when it's happening, but when that connection kind of goes away, you're back into reality. And also that much phone time and that much usage of being mm-hmm. on screens and being on socials, it's, you know, a lot of people have attested um, social media and screen time to rising anxiety. And I think that is very much the case. There, there needs to be that kind of clear break in stepping away from it I'm, I'm being a hypocrite here because i'm the worst at it but it's it is a serious issue that kind of needs to be addressed and taking that step back but it's kind of impossible in this situation when it's like okay i've got this but i've got ines to talk to and then if i stop talking to her then it's like oh well now i'm bored again so where does that kind of where do you draw that line at the end of the day but why do you think that increased use of social media contributes? Is it because we are all like online talking about the same thing? I think not only that, but I think there's also a lot of frustration as well when you see countries, say for example, you go on somewhere like Instagram or Facebook and people are living elsewhere um, or people aren't following. Like I get really frustrated and angry when like, say I'm on Instagram and I'm going through stories and there's people like, I'm at the pub again, or here's me in the park, like oh, surrounded by yeah. a bunch of people. And it's like, dude, no. what am I doing? Like, why am I sitting here and everyone else is having a good time? It's it's that same logic that social media has given previously. It's like, well, why don't I have that? Why can't I have what they've got? You, you just kind of compare your situation to theirs, but in a very minuscule level of this, is they're having fun, I'm not, and now I am jealous. And then that bums you out. But I think it's right. Yeah, I think it's the price that you are bummed out because of that. Because honestly, Max, you and I could go out right now and find an open pub. Yeah. Um, but we are not because we are choosing to feel good about ourselves and like our moral attitude to going out. It's exhausting. It is very tiring. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Savannah? Do, do do you feel the kind of same way about that? Well, I get screen fatigue. So yes. If I yeah, I don't. Let's see. How do I say this? I've kind of been pretty good about not falling into comparing myself to other people. Um, And that's been like a lifelong journey on how I've accomplished that. So that's not an easy thing at all to do. But 
I get screen fatigue really badly. So, and I'm, I have an online business, so I'm staring at my phone or my computer almost Mm -hmm. all of my waking hours. And then, you know, my husband comes from home from work and he wants to watch a TV show together. So then I'm staring at a screen again. And then I do play Xbox sometimes at night. So, you know, screens are everywhere and, um, unplugging for a little bit and, once again, I'm a huge advocate of connecting with nature and being present with it in the moment, because, you know, at the end of the day, we are part of this natural world and we've kind of sectioned ourselves off from it. And when we get back into it, getting our, our natural state, our spirit really craves to be in all of this nature and whatnot. So when we can disconnect from all of the technology, all the concrete, all of the man-made physical things and just, you know, notice the grass and sit in the outside for a while, it really helps. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thought. And actually I I had a thought about that like months ago at the beginning of the lockdown. Um, So the BBC Today program in the morning, um, does this uh, segment that is called Thought of the Day. I don't, like, I'm not a huge fan, but sometimes it's worth it. And this was about reconnecting with nature. And it was giving very, very valid and beautiful points about, you know, even though we are in lockdown, go outside, mm, I don't know, live with nature and trees and grass and, like, reconnect with the earth and all that. And I loved that. I wish I could do it right now, to be honest. Um, but I'm in the city, so I don't have, like, I have a park, and I'm very lucky to have it. It's a small park, but still. And the the speaker, or like, the presenter of the thought of the day goes, well, if you're in the city, you can always look at, you know, the stars in the sky. Which stars? Excuse me, which ones? <laughs> um, and then she goes, or the ants in your windowsill. Am I, am I supposed to, like, feel better about lockdown by looking at insects? <laughs> in my wind and I and I don't think it's fair because not everybody has the privilege like both of you guys not me um to go outside and be with nature and I think that is also probably contributing yeah for sure I would add another point I would add another suggestion that's a little bit better than looking at ants maybe you could get a potted plant bring nature inside to you we did get tons of potted plants in this house. Like we didn't have a single one and now we are full of flowers, which is very nice. That's a beautiful Perfect. thing to have. I like that. Me too. Okay. Um, right. So before we kind of wrap up here, what we kind of talk about in this podcast is how people can help themselves and, and what they can kind of take away from each episode that we look at. Now, the conversation we've had and the studies that I've looked at, mental health is not a box it's a term that spans so many different issues for so many different peoples that is different based on gender race disabilities there's just so many factors to it it's a moving target oh my goodness we'd be here all evening if we tried to cover each one and it, it would be hard to do but i think the general takeaway is at the end of the day we're all human beings as a collective no matter what your situation is, whatever you suffer from, we are all human beings and we all have something that we need to focus on and improve to make ourselves happier. So Savannah, I wanted to get your kind of top tips, if you will, for people who are at home, for people who are struggling, regardless of their situation, gender, everything like that. They're just, they're, 
they're struggling with some form of issue what tips and advice would you say to them you've given some great examples already but i'd be curious to hear a couple more so what you said about all of us being human is absolutely a focal point of my life it's something that we forget you know we put people up on pedestals like celebrities um instagram uh, influencers doctors lawyers you know all of these people we put them up on pedestal and we think oh they've got it all figured out they know exactly what they're doing why am i struggling so hard um i'm why am i so strange you know even and that's not it we absolutely 100 percent are all struggling with something every person on this planet is struggling with something and just remember that and stay focused on coming from your heart with kindness, acceptance, love for not only other people around you, but for yourself. Give, be gentle with yourself. We have enough to worry about, enough to manage, enough to navigate without putting obligations and feeling bad that you're not this or that. Just be happy where you are, accept where you are with kindness you know you wouldn't tell a child oh you're not good enough because xyz like you wouldn't tell your grandmother oh you're not good enough because xyz you know just notice where you are in your particular journey accept where you are in this moment and know that the only thing the only consistent thing in life is change everything's always changing all the time it can't be stopped it's in every area of everywhere and just noticing that and being like well you know if i don't like where i'm at right now all i have to do is cultivate patience and try to find the positive around me and just try to focus on the clouds and focus on breathing focus on finding peace within your body disconnect for a little while and see if you can sit with your feelings and see where they're coming from are they true are they universal can i find a way of healing them how can i make them feel a little bit better today and you know a one percent change today grows momentum and once you get into that momentum a one percent change a day is a 365 change in a year so know that wherever you are in life it's not permanent you're not going to be stuck there forever things will get better as long as you keep looking for ways to make it better keep looking for positive keep looking for something that's good around you beautiful i couldn't agree I'm more <laughs> just gonna take our jobs god damn it um, <laughs> But no, I think you're very right. And having that kind of understanding of this can grow and this can get better is is something a lot of people need to take away and understand. And I love your idea of the mental health smoke break. I implore everyone, everyone listening to adopt that in your life. It's fantastic. Savannah, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Please tell people where they can find you if they're looking for more kind of advice or kind of personal kind of structure in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So you can find me at my website, earthandwater.co, C-O. And all of my links are on there. I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram at earth and underscore water. I have a Facebook group, so I'm on Facebook as well. YouTube, you know, it, just type in Savannah Blake and it, it, it'll Google it. It'll Google me. <laughs> 
Exactly. And we'll include a link to the website as well, because there is a lot of fantastic stuff on there. I've had a look. The videos are great kind of help as well. So everyone make sure you do check it out. And Savannah, once again, thank you very much for coming on today's episode. Yeah, thank, thank you. So you. It was lovely. Okay. And that was our interview with Savannah. I love that. I feel she brought a lot to the table in terms of... I, I loved how she approached different ideas. That smoking thing is actually something I am going to adopt. That was very good. I mean, I'm going to be going out like four times an hour because people stress me out so much, but... Well, she said whenever you need. Yeah, exactly. So I have like, permission. I have permission to do it now. Um, but from your standpoint, what, what was your kind of main takeaway and final thoughts of the evening? I liked it very much. I think it's something that we have been, at least in my sort of corner on, of the internet, um, we have been neglecting it a little bit because right now we are all locked in our houses. All we have is the present moment um, and we are not appreciating it. And I like that she gave this point on how we are not actually doing it right and if we do it right it can help mm -hmm. and also i liked a lot the idea about nature you and i have discussed this in the past and i really believe that anyone who has the luxury of even going to look at a tree do it i think it will help and also trees are really cool trees are really cool guys that's the main takeaway Beautiful. No, I 100% agree with with all of that. And it's something that I hope everyone listening to this takes on board. The living in the moment is very important and something that has been neglected. Take those breaks just to appreciate what's going on. You don't have to sit and cross-legged and um and all that kind of stuff. If that's not your jam, just literally go out and get some fresh air. Stand in, stand in your porchway or your, your front door, whatever you need to do, and just kind of take that five minutes put a timer on your phone and you'll be all golden so savannah all we can say is thank you for her for coming on make sure you do check out her website which is earthandwater.co there's a lot of good resources on there but that brings us to the end of our penultimate episode next time on the are we there yet podcast is the season finale of the covid 19 yay. experience yay wow. Yay is in exciting. Yay is in exciting. We've accomplished <laughs> something exciting. here. We've done the full series as we promised. And we hope you guys have enjoyed the ride. And we're going to look forward to the, the next episode. Next episode is taking each episode topic, recapping where we are at now versus when we spoke about it. We're going to be playing some clips to help understand where our mindset was and also what we can look forward to in the future and maybe even a season two. So, please join us for that it's going to be a fantastic show in the meantime if you want to talk about anything or any of the subject matters that we bring up you can reach us on twitter through messages directly or just adding us at awty2020 or you can message us on our email account which is arewedare.2020 at gmail.com we'll happily talk about whatever you want man whatever you need we're here <laughs> for you <laughs> But until then, we hope you have a lovely time. We hope you do practice a little bit more mental health if it is something you're struggling with. And even if it's something that's just a niggling issue, getting into a habit, as Savannah said, 1% a day leads to a massive increase in improvement. That was so beautiful. make sure you do look after yourselves and also look after each other. You know, check in on people that you're worried about and just 
see that they're doing okay yeah be nice be nice is the takeaway of this podcast every single time mm, i think so be nice but <laughs> until then we will join you for the season finale of the are we there yet podcast thank you so much for listening to this episode ines thank you once again for being a fantastic co-host and the good news master and bringing the fantastic <laughs> content it's wonderful i look forward to our season finale me too thank you max good night everyone stay safe we love you all bye bye